Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Gang, I just want to start off by saying thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who came up and said hi at the AVMA convention and told me you listened to the podcast and gave your feedback. That was wonderful. It was great to hear from you. Right now, I am getting my feet under me so that Stephanie Goss and I can go and do some magic at Kansas City in two weeks. It's the Staff Drama Conference. That's right. Uncharted Staff Drama is literally two weeks away. It's going to be amazing. Tickets are gone. There are no more tickets. I am so sorry. But you can watch the live stream. We have the live stream of the main stage. We'll be filming the workshops and they will go into the Uncharted Online School. You can absolutely be part of the Staff Drama Magic Madness Magic Magical Madness. You can be a part of that. All you got to do is get your membership. Head over to UnchartedVet.com. That's UnchartedVet.com. And get registered as an online member. Do it today. And with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and my co-pilot, Stephanie. I've been in the valley. You ain't been up off that porch, Goss. (laughs) You ain't been up off that porch. Oh man, I ain't been up off my porch. It has been beautiful here. How how has your summer been going, Andy? It's it's good. It's that um it's that mixture of chaos and relaxation. You know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like the clinic is crazy busy, there's a million things going on. At the same time, I'm going to the pool with the kids on the weekends and like taking breaks and they're going to camp. It's this really weird mixture. I think a lot of us deal with of like panic and then break time and it's also that frustration of like everybody else is like vacationing and doing stuff and so you're always shorthanded yeah and and coordinating people is always hard yeah yeah i struggle with this time of year i mean i'm uh, in, in all honesty it's some of the best times of my life have been like this time of year and i just um I was just out hiking over the weekend with my wife. Uh, we went, we drove up to the Smokies, and it was this wonderful time. And at the same time, I got to get back and get my stuff packed. Um, I'll leave for the AVMA convention tomorrow. So by the time this podcast comes out, it will have been over. Uh, but, <laughs> but I'm getting ready to leave for it right now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's, it's funny to think, like, I – so we are out in the Olympic Peninsula in Washington, and sit, I actually can – see the ocean from my, from my front porch. And I, I will say it is hard to get motivated when you're enjoying family time and you're enjoying the beautiful weather. And then especially, like you said, you go into the clinic and things are nuts. It's the summer crazies and everybody's taking vacation and clients are, you know, home and want to get their pets in and it's nuts. And it's really hard to um, find that balance between enjoying summertime and having some some work life balance and enjoying your family time, and also managing things in the clinic. It's there. Are, there are days where it is hard to get motivated to get off my front porch because <laughs> you know, like the weather is beautiful and you just you just want to stay there. And especially when you know um, the craziness that's waiting for you at the clinic, it it can be really hard. And I think that's um, you know what we wanted to talk about this week, right? I have. Um, 
a manager colleague who was talking in one of the manager groups that I'm in and um, they're really struggling with the summer crazies. And they were saying that they are um, in, in the beginnings of their, their hell month. So they're working 12 hour days. um, And they were saying that they were feeling like they were already behind and getting more so by the hour that they can't get any of their practice management tasks done because they are doing what is very typical for a lot of us practice managers at this time in the year, which is manning the front desk or manning the floor in the back because they're helping cover for vacations and because it's insanely busy. And so um, the thing that I thought was was really interesting about this because it resonated with what's going on in my practice is usually the end of July, the beginning of August, things start slowing down a little bit, but our schedule at the clinic has been absolutely insane. The phones are ringing off the hook. There, It's all good problems to have, right? Like it's, it's good for the business, but I think for a lot of us in the middle of it, it feels really hard for our own personal well-being when we are going just full speed all day, every day, and for such long days. And their post was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this month. You know, help, you know, help keep me, help keep me motivated, help, help. (laughs) And so I think that um, it really struck a chord with me because I definitely am feeling this in the clinic right now. And I imagine that a lot of our colleagues are. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I I think this is fairly universal. It's, um, Everywhere you go in vet medicine. So why does this happen? Why do we end up having these summer months that are uh, just bonkers? Uh, and and why are we being put into positions where we're always trying to cover for other people and we're always short-staffed? Do you have ideas on that? Where does this come from? Oh, man. I think, um, I think for me, a lot of it comes from the fact that most of us are here because we want to help um, to some capacity. We either want to help pets or we want to help people or we want to help both. And so I think it's natural for us to try and say yes to probably more things than than we can manage. And so um, I think to a degree we do it to ourselves. And I, I know that is certainly the case with me. Um, and so um, – you know, I, I think it's really important to think about how as a team do we address the summer crazies because we know that they're coming, right? This is not this is not something that we magically woke up one day and absolute insanity happens at the clinic. Like anybody who has been in vet med for more than a hot minute knows that when summer hits, it's gonna hit full speed and you're going full speed until it stops. And there's there's no in between. And so I think one of the things that's really important is thinking ahead to how are we going to deal with it before it gets here. Yeah, I, I think that I think that's really it. So why it, why it happens not nearly as important as the realization that it's going to happen. So one of my one of my favorite things that you've heard me say a million times is if there's something that happens that's a surprise and it happens again and again, at some point it's not a surprise anymore, it's your business model. Right. And and we can't continue to be surprised that every summer is a pandemonium and chaos in the clinic, right? It's, we know there's gonna be an upturn, we know that there's gonna be this surge in business, and kidding ourselves is not gonna happen, That, that that's not productive. So the first thing is to be like, this is going to happen, Let's do our best to make a plan before we get into it, because that's our best chance of success. Ultimately, 
I think ultimately we all get overwhelmed at some point. It's mm-hmm. it's like a it's like building levees or building a dam. Like you build it before you need it. At, at some point, water may still spill over the top. If we've done a good enough job, then hopefully that's going to be okay. I think none of us should think that we have a system that is so wonderful that we are never going to feel like uh, we're getting overwhelmed. I feel like if we do that, we're probably way overstaffed. Mm-hmm. We're probably we're, we're probably built uh, built a little bit more extravagantly than we need to. I guess the point is this: if we're in a business that has wild fluctuations in how busy we are, as vet medicine does, part of the time, I think if you're staffed appropriately, part of the time you're going to feel like you have plenty of help, and part of the time you're going to feel like you don't have enough help, mm-hmm. and you're going to dance back and forth between those. If you're living in either of those realities all the time, then then that's probably something that we need to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, um, I think that that's totally true. And I think it's it, you're totally right when you said the, the, for me, the goal as a manager is to try and hit that sweet spot between, um, between the two and stay there as often as possible (laughs) where, you know, where you feel like we've, we've got enough people to deal with this. If, um, you know, if something happened, if we had a bunch of people out sick, we'd be shorthanded, but we'd handle it. But for the most part, we're, we're decently staffed. And, and I, I think, I don't think that any manager goes into their role or, um, approaches their role from the perspective of like, oh yes, I would like to be short staffed all the time. Like we, we get it. It is really hard to find staff. I will say, um, my current clinic, we have been understaffed now for probably going on, um, about six months and for a combination of reasons. Um, but, um, it is that now we are in that sweet spot where we have brought on, um, some new team members and suddenly we have days where we're like, where, where did all these bodies come from? Mm. (laughs) Like everybody's just bumping into each other and nobody's quite sure what we're doing. And, um, and it's good right now, right? Cause it's absolutely insane. And so it is, it is the time of the year where it's like, I, I need a body and and that's a, that's a good problem to have. But I think the thing that really resonated with, with me about this, um, scenario from, from the group was, was the idea of, practice managers um, helping out and covering um, covering the floor, whether it's at the front desk, whether it's on the, the tech floor, because they were um, came up from the medicine side and moved into practice management. But I think it's a I think it's a topic worth um, talking about because I know I have faced a lot of uh, challenges on this one personally in the practice. And I think it adds to the chaos of the summer crazies or the holiday process when um, you have managers that are helping fill in. Um, I think it. the reason that I say I think it adds to that is because um, there is always, there is always um, a struggle whether you're short-staffed because everybody's taking vacation and so everybody just agrees we're all going to pitch in and we're just going to deal with it being shorthanded or you take someone who has done that job and who is very capable of doing that job in the past but is not doing it on a day-to-day basis and you put them in there to help cover and things are also going to be a little bit chaotic because I'll admit like when I cover the front desk I can handle clients like a boss. I can handle, you know, all five phone lines ringing at one time. But the day-to-day of like 
Am I doing the checklist in this order? Am I making sure that all the forms are filled out correctly? Like that's the part where I really struggle because when you're not in that routine and you're not going about it day to day, it's hard to hop right back into that. And so I think we do create a little bit more chaos for our teams. And I know that it makes my life feel chaotic for the exact same reason that this per- person mentioned, which is that I struggle to feel like I can't get any of my my job done, my practice management job done when I am filling in at the front desk or on the floor. Yeah. So there's, there's this reality of like, um, when things are going well and you're running your system, that's, that's the most efficient thing, right? Everybody's doing everyone in their lane, everyone in their place, everyone doing their job and things are going the way that they're supposed to go. And then we get overwhelmed. And at some point, uh, someone panics and they're like, every man for himself. And then everyone starts freestyling and, and doing things that they don't usually do. And again, it's all done in, in, a, in a feeling of like, it's like love and like, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in and help over here. And now there's this other person who's doing things that, uh, that traditionally have been done another way, or uh-huh. they haven't been done in order or people are like, why, why? I did. Why is this? Why is this done this way? And so now the system has been completely screwed up by a do-gooder, a helper who's coming in from the outside. And I love <laughs> your point about like how you're like, I used to do that 10 years ago. Let me jump in now. And it's like a Toby Keith song where I'm trying to convince people how good I used to be. It's like, it's like I was, when I was a young man, oh. I, could, I could book these appointments with my eyes closed. And like, let me tell you about when I paced this catheter in 2003. It was amazing how good I was. I used to do them all the time. One summer in the shelters, I did a thousand of these. Nonsense, but back then. And, it's, it's totally true. It's and, totally yeah. true. And so it breaks and it goes into chaos. Uh, and that's, that's disaster. It really is like, like. <laughs> thinking of like Lord of the Rings at like Helm's Deep, like like when the when the orcs break through the wall and then just all hell breaks loose and there's no there's no more military order. It's just complete chaos. There's a lot. There's there's one fantasy geek out there right now who's loved <laughs> this and everyone else is tuned out. I was gonna say you are such a nerd. <laughs> I yeah. It's like it's like in Dungeons and Dragons when you roll a, a twenty. Uh, so, okay. So about, oh my God, I love it. Back, let's bring this back on track. What I'm trying to say is there's a break point. There's a mm-hmm. point where you run your system and you run it up to a point and then all of a sudden you go, we are overwhelmed. I am going to leave my post yeah. and go somewhere else. And I'm not saying that's a bad idea. What I am saying though is that once people start leaving their posts and going to somewhere else, we start to have a lot of unexpected problems. There's a lot of opportunity for chaos. When the manager leaves the manager's office and goes to the front desk, maybe that's what needs to happen. But now nobody is piloting the ship from the manager's office. Yep. And those things are not getting done. And there are consequences to those things not getting done. And we just need to recognize those things. I don't like to fall into a freestyle pattern. In my experience, that's when things get bad. You can do it, and you can. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh, we never do that." No, we did that on Saturday. I was in the clinic this last Saturday, and <laughs> there was times when we were pulling people from the front to help us in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like that, 
And it's one thing to do that on a Saturday. And it's one thing for that to happen this afternoon. It's another thing if that becomes your business model. Right. Where the just the the default is, oh, Stephanie's going to come out of the manager's office and help us at the front desk. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. Well, that's fine if Stephanie's job was set up and designed so that she has the time and the flexibility to do those types of things. Most managers do not have that time and flexibility. And yeah. so we're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul when when we do these things. And that's when we, we start, especially over, over an extended amount of time, we start dropping balls and things really become a mess. So that that's I hope I've, I hope I've encapsulated it, sort of the chaos and the the feeling of things getting away from you because I think that that's emotionally the experience that people have when we start to get overwhelmed in the summer and when people start getting pulled to other positions. Do, what do you think? Is that am I am I am I bringing that across okay? Yeah, for sure. And and I think I think that this time of year it comes up a lot because this is the time of year where not only is business crazy in the clinic and the phones aren't stopping and it's absolutely nuts. And so I think there's a lot more tendency to feel like, oh, it's super busy. We need all hands on deck and everybody's going to just do whatever to get it done. And I think the other compounding factor for a lot of managers is summertime is a beautiful time of year for most of us. And most of our teams want to take vacation. And so I think the other compounding factor is that um, we have a hard time sometimes saying no. And so a lot of times we have people who have earned the time off. We want to give them the time off. We have them take the time off. And the consequence to that happening when the schedule is so nuts is that a lot of times we can't fill the the gap um, with the normal team members that we have. And so we start looking at outside the box solutions and whether that's bringing in relief help, front back, doesn't matter, um, bringing in relief doctors, or whether it is you as a manager jumping in to try and fill some of those holes. That is, it is a solution, but it is also a solution that has consequences. And I think um, that's, I know that that's something that I have struggled with as a manager to think about those consequences before it happens. Um, and so I, I think you were absolutely right when you said, um, you know, you have to figure out what is, what is the breaking point and recognize it. And I, and I think that for a lot of us, the struggle is real because the breaking point is usually way before anybody actually calls it. Like I know on those busy days in the clinic where we get to the point where it's like, okay, we're done now. We, we cannot possibly care for any more pets. We have to start turfing stuff to the ER or to, um, you know, the specialist when the complicated cases come in. Usually when we get to that point, the team has been feeling it for quite some time before anybody actually says that. And I think this, that that same struggle happens for um, managers filling in. It's like we're jumping in to fill in and and help smooth out some of those holes, but the breaking point was way back there, and we probably should have recognized that a little bit more. Yeah, I um, okay, I completely agree with that. Let's let's get into the headspace of of the manager when this happens. And so let's say that you're out of practice and this is happening to you. So the opportunity to lay in systems that might have prevented this, that opportunity has passed because now we are in the middle of the chaos. And 
It was chaos yesterday when we left, and it's going to be chaos when we hit the door this morning. We are not going to be rounding people up for a whiteboard session to figure <laughs> out the strategy. We're in this. Mm-hmm. Let's let's survive this, okay? So so the first thing you've got to do <laughs> is is find your zen moment. You've got to find your inner peace because this is an opportunity to burn out. And this is when people yeah. say, "I just I can't make it." Okay, let's we you we got to we've got to get some inner calm here. Yeah, because uh, it's sure. the only way we're going to make it. All right. Mm-hmm. So basic things that I want to put into people's minds, if you're feeling this way and you're getting overwhelmed and you're, especially if you're the manager and it's a little bit differently when you're in the back staff, if you're attacking your doctor, I put your head in a little bit different place, but, but let's just do managers right now. Um, it is important. And one of the things I will always bring up when people start saying that they're overwhelmed, it is a core tenant and belief of mine that you cannot see all the pets mm-hmm. and you just need to own that. Yep. You cannot see all of the pets. You have a certain number of people in your practice. You have a certain number of hours in your day. There is a certain a speed at which these people can move. And if you push them beyond that speed or you push them beyond those hours and ask them to mentally be 100% uh, for, for you know 12 hours a day, five days a week, and then another six hours, eight hours on Saturdays, like that is not sustainable. They are going to break. They are going to burn out. They are going to leave. And the best people are going to leave first. You know why? Because they have better opportunities. They have other opportunities elsewhere. And I don't want to say this to scare anybody. Accept it. Own that this is the reality. We can only do what we can do. And this comes from a guy who came up very much with the philosophy of we get it done. We get it done. That's what we do. That's what vet medicine means. And you know what? If you have a crazy day, then yeah, you do get it done. You suck it up and you get it done. And there are days that we work real hard. And there's mm-hmm. days that we probably are not going to get to leave on time. There's days that we're definitely not going to leave on time. We are going to get the work done and we are going to do a good job. That's what we do. That needs to be the exception, not the rule. Because again, at some point, it's not a surprise. It's your business model. And so if your business model is we are going to work beyond a reasonable capacity on a regular basis. That's not a good business model. And so I find, I find inner peace with the idea that Andy, you can't see all the pets. You just can't. And so just be okay with the idea that you may not be able to take care of everyone who calls your clinic. You may not be able to fit them in. They may have to go to the emergency clinic. They may have to wait. They they may get frustrated with how long they wait and go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's a reality that unfortunately somebody, we have to take your people, your staff are not, um, a renewable resource. You cannot just keep propping them back up day after day after day to get abused and get overrun. They're, they're, they're not going to go for it. You have got to build a sustainable system. And what I found in a lot of clinics is, um, if, if we're, you know, if they say to me, they're like, but Andy, you can't tell people that, that we can't see all the pets. We need to see all the pets. That's how we're going to stay in business. And my response is, if you have a business that requires seeing more people than your staff can handle in order for you to stay in business, then your business is going to fail. Mm-hmm. It, it just is. We've, and there, again, I don't want to send people in despair because there's things we can do. It probably means we need to, if you're getting overrun again and again and again, maybe it's time to raise prices. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time to push the prices up and people go, but Andy, but people will leave. And I will say, that's the point. Right. 
that is the point. You will make more money because your prices are higher and your profit margins are bigger because you're not adding expenses. You're, you're pushing the prices up. You will make more money. And what if 10% of the clients leave? The 10% most price sensitive clients leave. Now you've got time to do a really great job for the rest of the other 90%. And you're making more money on the appointments that you see. And honestly, I, that's that's not the end of the world. I've seen that be a wonderful solution. I think a lot of practices need to do that. Mm-hmm. My point, again, is just know that at some point there is a capacity for your team mm-hmm. and you need to own the fact that there is a there's amount of work that you can do. And beyond that, you just can't do it. And yeah. I think that that takes away this pressure of no matter what. We have got to get done. I'm going to be here until midnight. And then tomorrow I'm going to be back at 6 a.m. And I'm going to be swamped again. Look, there's that's not sustainable. And that's mm-hmm. not healthy. And mm-hmm. that's not good for the practice. And it's not good for the pets. And it's not good for the employees. So accept that you cannot see all the pets. Mm-hmm. Be flexible. I think a, a lot of times what happens is we get locked in. We sort of get this um, myopic view of the things that I need to do in a day as put forward by my job description and then the things that are put in on top of me. And I'm like, oh, I have to do all these things and now I'm getting asked to do these other things and I am freaking out because they're completely additive. I have a to-do list and now other people are putting things on the to-do list. And what I would say is, listen, you've got to be gentle with yourself. Like we all have to be gentle with ourselves when these things happen. We have to be flexible and we have to be kind to ourselves because we're the nastiest critics that we have. Look, if you've got a to-do list and then all of a sudden the dam breaks and people are like, hey, can you help out up front? You need to do do not an additive calculation. First of all, it's do I go up front? Is that the best use of my time mm-hmm. uh, strategically for the team? Is that what needs to happen? The answer may be 100% yes. It is often yes. Okay, great. Let me look at the do list, to-do list I'm being given. Let me look at the do list that I already have. And now let me take things off of both of these lists. Let me say, okay, now the to-do list I have for today is ridiculous and it's not going to happen. And so flexibility is often me saying, I plan to do this thing. That's not going to happen today. And I meant to do this and that's not going to happen today. And I know that uh, people are asking me to do this other thing. That is not going to happen today. It's not inside my capacity. And so, yes, I will take on the things I'm being asked to do. I will do a couple of things that I needed to do already. And there's a lot of things that are going to get tabled. They're going to get shelved. And I am going to say I am not being um, I'm not being lazy. I am not being irresponsible. I'm being flexible and working with the constraints that are being put upon me. Mm-hmm. And the last thing is I'm going to be, I'm going to be gentle with myself. There is no good that comes from me beating the crap out of myself emotionally, mentally, negatively self-talking myself, right? Me just being unforgiving of my own inability to bend time and space. It's just not, it's just not useful. And so just be nice to yourself. Damn it. You mean <laughs> I, look, I'm talking to you. You know who I'm talking to. Be nice to yourself. I know you're talking to me. I you know, you mean we can I I really want a time turner as a practice manager. Like I I want to just go into the Harry Potter world and I need Hermione's time turner for God's sake because there are not enough hours in the day and I think you're totally right. It is we are our own worst critics and I think we struggle with not being forgiving of ourselves and feeling like 
we need to get all of the things done. And so I know right now so many of my manager friends um, and and really my friends in all positions in the clinics, but especially my manager friends that we are talking to right now who are like, oh, it's nine o'clock at night and I'm still here at the clinic because I didn't get the to-do list done and I'm just going to power through and I'm going to I'm going to just get it done because, oh, I can't not do these five things. And I think that I think that it is a really important message to hear both about being gentle um, to yourself and forgiving yourself. And the other thing that I think that we do to ourselves at this point in the year when when we're in the middle of this craziness that is very, very detrimental is skipping breaks. And I know that I'm super guilty of this. I will work through lunch. I will not even take a pee break. I will have been at the clinic for 10 hours and not stopped to breathe. And I think that that is one of the things that we do to ourselves that does the most damage. Um, and so I have started um, using some tools um, with my smartphone, which is always with me, um, <laughs> to try and manage that for myself. And I have started setting alarms and reminders to myself to to get up, to go to go out to go outside. And I um, I'm not venturing far from the building, but I'm getting outside in the sunshine. I'm <laughs> I'm actually breathing non-recycled air for about five seconds, and inevitably the back door opens and someone's like, "Um, Stephanie, can you come do?" Yes, I can come do whatever. But you have to take that time for yourself, otherwise you're you're gonna fall apart. Yeah, and it's important that you don't walk too far from the building because then staff <laughs> will think that you are leaving. You know <laughs> Like there, there she goes. She just, she just walked into the forest behind the clinic. She's she coming back. back. I don't think so. She was she had a hard morning. Oh I, what else? What else is funny is when the staff is trying to decide who's going to go out and talk to you. They're yeah. like, there she, she's, she's standing by the dumpsters. Go talk to her, Carol. And Carol's the new person. She's like, I don't, know, I don't think this is a good idea. No, Carol, you're. You're the new girl. She's still trying to put on show for you. <laughs> you go do it. No, it's to to it's totally true. I hit that point and <laughs> and um la- just last just last week and I was having a really rough day and something came up with a client complaint and I just I was at that breaking point and I was like I'm taking a break. I haven't I didn't take lunch. I didn't take any breaks in the day. It was like 3:30 and I was going to lose my ever-loving mind and I was I walked through the clinic and I was like I'm taking 10 minutes. I'll be outside. And I could feel all of them staring at me going, "Oh god, what just like what who's going to who's going to go handle that?" And <laughs> and I had to laugh because I don't know whether they voted and, <laughs> and voted our our uh, medical director off the island or whether she volunteered as tribute, but she came outside about 20 minutes later and she's like, um, I'm just coming to check on you, <laughs> you know, and it, it is, it is true that that scenario, that scenario happens. But I think, I think the important part is, I think we have to recognize what do we do to avoid that situation before it happens? Because I know for a lot of us, the reality is this is happening all too often right now because we're trying to be all things to all people. And just like you said, we can't see all pets. I think it's really important for us managers to recognize that we cannot be all things to all people. And there has to be a process that you use to figure out how you are going to be the most important things to the most important people right now. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's get into this and what we do. So headspace, 
um, remember that you, you can't see all the paths. Just accept that there is a certain amount that you can do and that you are good enough. You are doing your best. You are going to do what you can do. You're going to do what's humanly possible. And that's all that can be expected of you. And so be gentle with yourself and forgive yourself. And remember that not doing everything is not failing. It's being flexible, especially if you're doing the smart things, the things that you need to do. So get into that headspace. Be kind to yourself. And now let's start to put together strategy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. First thing is, and this is often the first step in these uh, in these types of problems, is uh, let's do what we can to not get into this position. <laughs> and so let's just put that on the table first, is doing things in January and February or April, like the Uncharted Veterinary Conference, that gets you into a place where you can avoid these disasters, mm-hmm. that's time well spent. It's yeah. amazing how many of us stress in January about how dead the clinic is and then panic in July because we're getting clobbered. And then that's just the cycle of our lives of, oh, my yes. God, we're all going to go out of business. There's no one here. Oh, my God, everyone's going to quit because we're getting crushed. Go ahead and start to build those plans, right? W- what are we going to do? One of the big things is. And this is another thing. I, th- I think training is so important, right? Staff training is so important. Mm-hmm. Efficiency training is so important. You're going to get slammed in the summer, which means come April, come February, March, you need to be doing training. Those front desk staff, they need to be getting efficient. They need to be learning. They need to getting better. They need to get better at dealing with angry clients. They need to get better at, uh, at scheduling. They're getting better at phone skills, at converting uh, price shoppers. That's the time to do it. I think too often we put put the pedal all the way down in the summer and then we're just exhausted. And so we take our foot off the gas and it's just like one of those things. It's like when you have a day off and you've got like two things to do and you're like, I only have two things to do. And so you do exactly zero of them because Mm -hmm. you only have those two things. I I think that that's the problem a lot. So know that this is coming and, and just start to build your systems when you don't need them. Mm -hmm. Train as you go. Uh, decide what your workflow is. Make sure everyone knows how to schedule and we're all running a system, not freestyling. Because you can freestyle and people can figure it out and kind of make it up and and they can talk to the techs in the back and decide what the best plan is. You can do that when you're not working at maximum capacity. But when you are working at maximum capacity, if that is your workflow, if that's how things get done, you're toast. Mm -hmm. Because now there is no time to go and check with the techs in the back because they're panicking and they're going 100 miles an hour. And they don't have time to stop and talk to the front desk person. That should have been ironed out of the system when things were slower and we can troubleshoot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So train, train, train. Are you going to add anything to that? Yeah, I think the other the other two things that I would say specifically for managers that you really should consider, and and like you said, Andy, I think the time to consider them is way before um, it actually happens. But the the questions that I have for my for myself are: How are you going to get your work done on top of covering? And is it? And I think that you need to really think about that and put a plan in place to say, okay, if you if you are a manager that has skill sets and you can fill in for your team, and that is ultimately a choice that you're going to make. And question number two um, for me it, it, it is that question of, is it even right for you to, to fill in? But if you are going to fill in, 
um, how are you going to do the rest of your work? And so I think you have to come up with a plan and a system to figure out how to get the things done that you know that you need to do if you make the the decision to fill in. And whether that's you're now going to work 12-hour days. And like this example, you know, you're, you're talking about a month of coverage where you're going to work 12-hour days. I would say that that's a completely unrealistic expectation. If if you as a human being are working 12-hour days, and for most of us, we're not working for 12-hour days, which might be manageable. We're working five days plus at 12 hours a day. And so is that sustainable over the course of a whole month? I don't think that it is for anyone. And so I think that you need to think about how are you going to manage to get the things done that you need to get done and provide coverage for your team. Yeah. Yeah. Deciding, looking ahead and saying, okay, the summer is coming. Uh, what's the plan? Well, uh, in from July 15th to August 15th, I'm going to work 60 hour weeks. And that's what, that's the plan. I, I agree with Steph. I don't think this is the best plan. It's, 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 it's what I call the accountant uh, approach to vet practice. It's like, you know, like when accountants don't go home for the month of, uh, of March and then up yeah. to April 15th. Uh, and then after the, after that, after April 15th, they are not available. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not they're, they're, they're gone for two weeks. Uh, if you want to work 60 hours a week for a month and then take two weeks off for vacation, uh, you know, that, that's your call. I think the greater, the greater point is just, okay, if this period is coming and if the, you legit plan to fill in, if that is the practice plan of we get overwhelmed every summer and every summer the practice manager helps cover on the front. Okay, great. Know that that's coming. And what are we doing in February and March to free up our managerial responsibilities so that we have time to cover, but just being like, Hey, I work a full-time job as a manager. And just for these uh, months or these weeks, I'm just going to take another job on top of that. That that's bad. And that does mean that you're going to have to push things around. They're going to have to be things that we say no to because we don't have the bandwidth for them, or we say no to them until September or October, or we say, yes, I'm going to do them right now in March so that they are done by the time we go into this chaos period. But when we're looking at our practice and our strategy, we have got to factor in that, that work surge. So number one is try not to get yourself in this position. Try to know that it's coming. Um, try to set realistic expectations for what you can do in a day. And then don't put yourself in a position where the solution is, I'm just going to be superhuman for six weeks. <laughs> that's a bad idea. Yeah. You know, the other thing I'll say with the, with the front desk too, and this is just something I always kind of throw in because I think a lot of people just kind of zone out and miss it. You know, temporary help is possible. If, if you're just getting slammed, it may be that you're going to go find a college kid uh, for, or you're going to go find a, a high school kid even that you know well, who's competent on the phone and scheduling appointments. And maybe that's all that they're going to do. Maybe they'll come in for a couple hours uh, a day and that will be almost like temp help for the summer. It's not, I think so. sometimes we get so focused on the idea of we need another person, we need another full-time person that we completely remove the idea of 
having a, a limited time helper come in and take things off of our plate. Even if you start to look, say, say that you're the manager and you're like, these are the things I have to do during the day. And then up at the front desk, these are the things that I have to do during the day. There are things on that list that someone besides you could do. Mm-hmm. Can you pull someone in for five hours a week? Mm-hmm. just to do these things that are behind the scene or maybe they're not client facing or, or you know, wh- whatever they would be getting some temp help over the summer is not a bad idea. And it's not out of bounds for the manager. I think everybody thinks, Oh yeah, over the summer we're going to get kennel assistance. Yes, you can definitely do that. Don't forget that there are other things that a bright motivated person uh, could help you out with in the short term. Yeah, for sure. I think it's important to think outside the box in terms of how how do you handle it. Um, one of the things that I particularly love doing is um, thinking about how do you handle the phones because summer is also one of the times where I get the most client complaints about being stuck on hold hell because the clinic is nuts. The front desk is insane. We can't handle the phone volume. And so what do we do? We answer the phone and we put people on hold and then they're on hold for 10 minutes or 20 minutes and then they get pissed and people would rather have other solutions than calling you and getting stuck in hold hell. And I think we're so afraid of looking outside of the box on this one in vet med because we're like, we have to be there for the people and we have to have a live body and we have to answer the, we have to answer the phones. Well, I would really challenge you to ask yourselves as a team, which is better um, getting a, getting a voicemail or using a, using a phone service to help triage your calls. Um, and, and your clients maybe not getting a live person, but getting better service faster or getting a live person who immediately asks them, is this an emergency or can you hold? And once they've said, no, it's not an emergency. I, I can hold. They're on hold for 10 or 20 minutes. Like as a, as a, as a human being, I would tell you that I absolutely would prefer the um, the former over the latter. If I get if I call somewhere and I get stuck on hold, I hang up. Now I don't sit on hold. I wait and I call back. And I think a lot of our clients have that same um, thought process. They don't want to be on hold, and they would rather leave you a message and have it returned in a timely fashion, or even talk to someone else and get triaged, and then get told that someone will call them back. And I think I I love your idea about looking for creative ways where you can have temporary help because that's a that's a great way to do it. There is no reason why you cannot take someone who is bright and has some basic phone skills and teach them how to find out what do people need. And then they can be the triager and they can, they can say, okay, I have all these lines on hold. This is who needs what and in what order. And that in and of itself can help your, your phone flow process so much. And it's such a simple thing, but I think we're, we are often very afraid to look outside of the box in terms of how we handle the chaos at the front desk. And I think to our, to our own detriment. You know, our friend, uh, Dr. Dave Nickel, when he was in Australia, he had a, phone, a front desk rock star and her husband got a new job and he moved away and she was like, well, I have to leave. And he was like, well, why do you have to leave? And she said, because I'm moving to the other side of Australia. And Dave was like, I don't see the problem here. And Dave set it up so that she could huh? work the front desk from her house on the yep. other side of the country, yep. you know, and the phone would ring and she would grab it and she had access to the practice management software and bam, and she just did it. So mm-hmm. Don't get tied up in the old school way of doing things. Yeah. If you can, 
if you can have these conversations or these thoughts, these, these ideas of like, what is really happening here? And again, they're really hard to do when you're in the middle of the chaos. Right. But after the chaos is over, you know, you can, you can use people, you can use people who are not in your geographic area to help you on the phone. Like mm-hmm. those are things that can happen, but you have to think about what your specific problems are. You yeah. know, the, and you mentioned it earlier, um, you know, skipping breaks, I think sometimes, you know, again, we put our head down and we say, we just, we're going to get done. We get it done. That's what we do. I completely agree. As we start to think about real tactics, working through breaks, I I think from a strategic standpoint, holding on more tightly to our reverence for breaks, I think that's good strategy. When you start pushing in and start working through your breaks or when you start uh, asking other people to work through their breaks, honestly, if you start working through your breaks, then you're sending a message by example that working through breaks is a noble decision or it's something that the leadership uh, likes to see or it's something that they, you know, that they value or that that's how you show commitment. You're sending those subtle signals and, and they're not smart signals in the long term. And so I, I think that we need to, I think that we need to, again, accept that we can't see all the pets, but I think we really do need to defend those breaks. And I think it sends a clear message to our staff you matter. You are important. We want you to be happy. We want you to be healthy. We're going to work hard, but not to the point of of burnout. And so, looking at looking at those types of things, holding onto your break onto your breaks, considering stress versus distress. And you mentioned earlier, we often don't start to make changes or make switches until we are way past the point where we should have made changes or made switches. Like we are so far into the panic region when we start to try to make radical changes. Uh, We should have been adjusting as we went earlier on. And for me, that comes down to stress and distress. I think it's good for a team to be stressed. I think if your team is never stressed, then you're probably not working very hard. You're not at the optimal level. You should be stressed. We should be pushing ourselves to get things done, to get clients turned around, to get them out the door, to stay on time, to practice good medicine, to get clients to buy into the recommendations that we make. Like We should be stressed about those things, but we should not be distressed where we've gone past the point of stress into feeling real legit panic of feeling unhappy, of feeling despair, feeling like we're never going to get done. Like those things are different things. And so as the manager, taking the temperature in the building is important. Is our team stressed? Yes. Good. I want them to be stressed because that means they're working hard. That means that we're not overstaffed. It means that we are where we need to be. uh, And everybody's trying. Great. Are they distressed? Okay. Let's start to figure out how to change this. And sometimes we'll have we'll have days where we do get distressed. We all have bad days. That should not be the norm. That cannot be regular. And so when you start feeling like, hey, we've passed the point of stress into distress, now is the time to start moving things around. Now is the time to start reorganizing. Now is the time to start putting systems in place and, and flipping switches and, and lining up um, – extra help if we're going to, if we can, whatever. Uh, now is the time for the front, for the manager to start helping out the front desk. Not all the time, but a little bit. Let's lift mm-hmm. that load a little bit. So we go back to being stressed, but not distressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think the other, um, so the other solutions piece of it for me is that in, in it, and these are tools that I use for myself. 
um, successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully. But when you're in it, I think the coping mechanisms for for me are are threefold. One is that I have to have a checklist. I have to know what I'm what I need to get done on on a regular basis um, because I need the ability to then prioritize that checklist. So as a manager. Um, you know what your manager tasks are. And if you're helping out covering for vacation, the the question is going to be like you you said it so perfectly, Andy. You're you're you are taking what is already a full-time job and then you're considering adding a second full-time job on top of that. I mean, that that is the definition of of insanity. And so the only way that you're gonna be able to deal with that is if you know what things have to be done on both sides. And then you have the capacity to prioritize both of those lists and figure out what you're going to be able to accomplish because you're not going to be able to accomplish it all. I don't care whether you work 24 hours in a day, you're still not going to get it all done. And so you have to have the ability to have a checklist on both sides and know what needs to get done. And then the ability to be able to prioritize both of those lists. And then the third piece of it for me is that everything that I cannot get done off of those lists goes onto a back burner list. And so um, right now I have a little post-it note on on the bottom of my computer screen and that post-it note has been sitting there staring at me for about 10 weeks now and it has five or six things on it and that's my back burner list and there are things that um, five, five or six weeks ago I needed to get done and I still haven't done them but there, there are things that in the grand scheme of um, running the business as a manager my priorities are pay the bills pay the people um, and so the things that are on that little post-it note, yes, they're important. Yes, they need to get done, but I do not have the capacity to tackle them right now. And so they sit there and they stare at me and they remind me that when I am done with the prioritizing part of it, I can go back to this and I can still get them done. Yeah, I like the old Stephen Covey urgent and important exercise. So we all have a list of things that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that we have things we have to do. Some of them are urgent, which means they are calling our name or people want us to respond quickly. Some of them are important, which means they actually really matter. Some of them are urgent and important, which means people are calling our names and this really matters. Mm-hmm. And some things, actually a good chunk of the things, are neither urgent nor important. Right? They're not that big a deal and nobody really cares if I do them or not. It's amazing how many people look at their to-do list and say, this is what I have to do today. That's ridiculous. When your clinic is getting overrun, you put them into the categories. Is this urgent? Is this important? Is this neither? Or is this both? When you're getting overrun, you do the category of both. And that's Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) That's all. You know, the stuff that's urgent but not important. There's things where, you know... People are sending, uh, you know, and I'm talking about like vendors are sending you emails about discounts or, you know, um, whatever opportunities, things like that. Those things are urgent because we need to respond right now, but they're not important. I have I have a good one that has been on that list for me. So um, we have been talking about the grain-free diets and our doctor team was like, yes, we want to do some client education and we want to talk about DCM with our clients. We want to educate them. And so they made this handout and they're like, great, we want to make you, we want to have you make this handout look pretty because we want to be able to give it to our clients. We want to brand it to the hospital and the whole nine yards. That for me is urgent and not important. Like, yes, I want to get it out. I want the clients to be educated. I want it to look pretty. But 
on the list of things to do, like that is not on the top of important list. And it's, it's hard because it may be at the top of the important list for someone else. And so that's where I think it really requires when you're in the middle of this, it also requires really good communication on your part with the rest of your team, particularly with the rest of your leadership team about what you're prioritizing and some check-in space. And particularly if you're working with a medical director or practice owner, like, what are your priorities for for me and what are my priorities off of my list? Because sometimes those things are incongruent and someone who um, someone has something at the top of their list that you've put into that urgent but not important box. And you need to know if that needs to shift um, because of, of their needs. And that that only happens if you're having really good communication. Right. No, I completely agree. So the grain free DCM sheet uh, making this beautiful, that may be urgent because we want to get out to the penos. But honestly, guys, if you're working 12 hour days, uh, it doesn't make the list. I'm sorry. Right. Like that's, and you got options. So, so that's a perfect uh-huh. example. So let's play with this. So that it goes into my urgent box. It is not in my urgent importance. If I'm there for 10 hours, 12 hours a day, and I'm supposed to be there for eight hours a day. Um, that's not getting done. And so my options are, I can delegate that to someone else and I'll say, Hey, I'm going to give this to uh, Kelsey because she can do this stuff and I will give it to her and she's got capacity for it. Bam. So I can delegate it or I can just say when they say, hey, Andy, we need to make this beautiful. I can say, listen, I understand. I want to make it beautiful. I am at maximum capacity right now. I can get it done, but it's not going to be until things slow down here at the clinic. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? And then they can say, you know what? Let's just make it clean and print it. Mm-hmm. And it will not be a beautiful branded thing. It will be a handout that we'll sign and mm-hmm. it will just be a handout that we have. Mm-hmm. And when things slow down, we'll reprint it and make it beautiful. Mm-hmm. But for right now, we're just going to go with the straight, uh, clean look. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to have our logo in the bottom corner and we're going to call it done. Mm-hmm. Like they, they can make that call or they can say, well, we'll, we'll, we'll wait then. But urgent can wait. Important. Yeah can wait. Important is Stephanie's back burner list. It's the things where you say, oh man, we really ought to do this. Or we, you know, we're, um, we're going to go fear free. We're going to get fear free certified for the hospital. That's awesome. I think that's important. It doesn't have to happen right now during the summer when you're getting clobbered. That's not an urgent thing. It's an important thing, not an urgent thing. It can wait. The things that are neither urgent nor important they can just go away. <laughs> they can largely just, they just fall into that endless bin of things that maybe would have been good, but we didn't get to. Mm-hmm. And this is where being gentle with yourself comes into play. You can't do everything. Let it go. The things that are urgent or important, which means they've got to happen and they are important. Those should be the things that we're doing. And honestly, the only things that we're doing while we're getting overrun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that also the the other big thing is is that you have to be like you said you have to be gentle with yourself because you're not going to be able to do all the things and and so that leads me to the last piece to talk about which is setting boundaries with your team in terms of expectations for you to cover because I know um one of the things that I struggle with honestly most days the most is feeling like I'm letting my team down if I'm not helping them. Um, 
But at the same time, I know that I'm going to let them down significantly more if I don't get payroll done so that they don't get paid. And so a lot of times as a manager, you have to make that call about what has to be prioritized. And if you have to get payroll done and you have to close your door and turn off your phone to get it done, and that means that they kind of have to fend for themselves, there should be a plan for that. And it shouldn't be everybody just freestyling because there's there is no plan, but you should absolutely be able to do that and not, not let yourself feel guilty, not let yourself feel bad because you are also serving them by making sure that they get paid and <laughs> there's money in their bank account when payday comes. Yeah. You know, leadership is lonely. It just is. I think. I love leading a team. I, I I do. I love it. I love working with people. I I just I'm so proud of the people that work for me and that I get to work with. I love it. It's lonely. Um because your team will always see only the things that they can see. And so when they're getting slammed at the front desk and you're in your office, all they see is you sitting in your office. Yeah. And you are the only one who knows what you're doing or what you have to do. And if you had the time to sit and explain and say, well, you know, I have to do payroll because you guys are going to get paid and this isn't more important. They might even say, no, don't worry about that. We can, we can wait a couple of days to get paid. They I mean, they'd say, they'll say crazy things uh, because they're faced with this problem. That's just immediate and tangible for them. Mm-hmm. They'll never see it. And so that is one of the things that just as important, I think, as a manager to say, I, I love the saying, heavy is the head that wears the crown. And that, that is true. I don't mean that to sound arrogant, you know, or, or anything. I hope people don't take it that way. But it, it's lonely to be the leader. And you are the one who has to look at the bigger picture and decide how your time is going to be spent and decide what is best. And you jumping in to help on the floor it may not be the best use of time. It may not be what needs to happen. And your team probably won't get that. But you still have to make that call. And then, and I think this is something that a lot of us struggle with, you have to find validation in yourself for that decision. You have to be able to look in the mirror and say, I worked hard today. I worked damn hard today. And I did the things that were urgent and important. I did the things that needed to get done and needed to get done now. And I made the best decision with the resources that I had. And then you have to be able to go on and and, and feel good about that. You know, like you have to be able to say, I know that other people may have been miffed that I wasn't there for them. And I know the doctors were upset that the grain-free diet handout didn't get branded and look beautiful. I did the best that I could do. And look, and if I had it again, I w- there's not choices that I would have made differently. I, I made the best choices I could. And I think finding that internal validation, guys, I think that that's a big step towards enlightenment. I mean, I think that that's really important. And we're getting into some philosophy here, but I, I just want to leave you guys with that and say, you know, there's lots of little things that we do along the way. We build systems. We, you know, offer drop-offs. Uh, I think I agree with Steph 100%. I'm seeing more and more businesses that are not messing around and sending people straight to voicemail. So do you have an emergency? No. Hey, we're tied up uh, loving on our patients, and we can't get away from them right this moment. If you'll leave us a message, we will be back to you as soon as we can. And then you get back to them, not 
three hours later, like right. 15 minutes later. But I, I think that's important. I think that's where we're going. I think when people walk in and your front desk is slammed, instead of being like, okay, well, we'll see you, you give them an estimate like the restaurant does. Hmm. And we did this. We did this on Saturday. We were, we were slammed. And I heard the front desk say, we're at about 90 minutes to two hours for a wait um, for a walk-in. If you'd like to wait, you're welcome to. And it's just telling them this is where mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can, we can set you up an appointment uh, for next week. Mm-hmm. And you can come straight in. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? And so there are tactics like that. <laughs> but the big thing at the end of the day is um, what is urgent and important? Knowing that you're a human being, knowing that you get tired, knowing that you cannot see all the pets and you cannot do all the things for all the people. What have you chosen to do? And if you have done your best, then you need to feel good about that. And you need to be okay. And you need to go home and you need to, you know, to look in the mirror and be happy with the hard work that you did and find internal validation there. And if you can do that, you're going to be just fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think, I think you're, you're so right about, um, giving estimates on time to clients. And I also think the same rule set applies for your team is like, look, if you have set the expectation that you're going to help cover those gaps for your team, I think it's really important that you set some boundaries for yourself and communicate what pieces that you normally are responsible for that you're not going to be able to get done because you're you're making that choice like no one is going to look at your job and um and see all of the all of the stress and all of the challenges that you you said it so perfectly Andy when you said they're going to see what's right in front of them and this is something I've actually been struggling with immensely with my own team and so hearing <laughs> hearing you talk has actually been really insightful for for me and in, in my own day-to-day in the practice but it is totally true they are not going to be able to see that unless you tell them and so i think it's super important for for us managers to be able to say okay i'm going to fill in at the front desk and i'm i'm going to cover these shifts and i'm going to put myself on the schedule and what that means is I'm going to be off on Friday or I'm going to not be able to get X, Y, and Z done because I am making that choice and make sure that everybody understands that because it may be that you, your team pulls it together and says, well, no, we would actually really rather get paid. So we will deal with being short on Tuesday so that you can get payroll done because that is more important to us, but they're not going to they're not going to get there unless you help them and you have to share with them the pros and cons of what that choice means because they're not going to see it if you don't. Right. No, I completely agree. So, all right, well, let's leave it there. And I'll just tell you, I know you're getting slammed at the clinic and pulled a million different ways. And I know that you still show up and work hard uh, on our stuff and it means the world to me. And thank you for doing that. I love it. I love I love this you guys and it is it is so fun for me to be able to see things that um you know, I'm just I'm talking to other managers or technicians or CSRs and hearing what's going on in in the clinic and say, "Oh, hey, I recognize that too. I would love to talk about that um on the podcast." And so, I think if you guys have something that's going on in your practice or something that you would like us to talk about, feel free to shoot us an email, right? 
Absolutely. Send us an email at podcast at unchartedvet.com and we are happy to to talk about it. Give us uh, give us enough backstory so that we can kind of speak in specifics. Uh, we Our default is to keep these anonymous. If you want to give yourself a pseudonym, I always enjoy that <laughs> and I will use it. I promise yes. I will. Make anyway. up an alter ego, guys. <laughs> totally. All right. All right. Okay, Have a good again. one, you guys. Hang Bye. in there. Bye.